Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school. Back to work. We go. <laughs> this is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
It's the brother in you I've been looking for Cause I know we share family ties And all the world keeps telling us How you and I are really so alike It's not about the language or geography No connection to color, shape or size It's rooted deep in our history It's a spark that we carry inside If we join us one today
עולם חדש ראיתי עם אור של גאולם וכל הדמעות מכל הדורות הפכו לשמחה גדולה עולם חדש ראיתי בלי מלחמות אדם וכל האויבים נהיו אוהבים חיילים השבים לביתם מתי Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. 
darkest times on a pitch black night He rode a horse of the purest white He knocked on the door, kind of prison afraid In his hand, a bag of money What shall I do when the money runs dry? Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky What shall I do when the gold runs dry? Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky In the car, the man, They surrounded me These three words they set me free When you got no strength and you cry and please Lost in the forest can't find the trees Here's what you do when the money runs dry Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky Here's what you do when the gold runs dry Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky But one word, as time commenced, he bade the world begin. A universe of endless space, both outward and within. With but one thought, he granted life, a spark to stir the mind. And to man, above all else, a soul indeed divine. 
With but one Torah would he sketch a path on which to stride, adorned with cool, refreshing springs to quench our thirst inside. With but one people would he choose this Torah to impart, exalted by the ancestry that forged their noble heart. With but one land did he see fit his presence to bestow. A covenant with Israel in sanctity a home. With but one tribe would he implant the gift of royalty. In years gone by and days to come to rule in majesty. With but one glance, he sees and knows what was and is to be. The thoughts and dreams of all mankind, their fate and destiny. With but one word, he can and will return us to our land. And how his love was always there, we then will understand. and is to be the thoughts and dreams of all mankind their fate and destiny with but one word he can and will return us to our land and how his love was always there we then will understand and how his love was always there we then will understand jam in the am one word one word
Boy, is that an important message for these times. Takes one word from the one above to start or stop anything, to create or destroy anything. And uh, now we are hoping that the one above will use that power and that one word to destroy the coronavirus and get us back to a life that we're used to. Journeys from Volume 4 with one word, Elaka, that's eighth day, brand new, Yaakov Shweki with both one heart and perfect world. Vitaher, uh, Eitan Katzum, live in Jerusalem, volume number two. Masecha Hashem, that's Mayor Sherman, with our Monday morning theme song. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's a Monday on this April 20th, day 26 in the month of Nisan, the year 5780. Tough Shin Pei. It's day number 11. Today is day number 11. In the counting of the Omer, if you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. One week and four days. Today is day number 11. 53 degrees, 57% humidity, winds in north at 5 miles an hour. Cloudy today with a high of 57. And tonight, partly cloudy and a low of 45. Tomorrow, thunderstorms and a high Tuesday of 62 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 80. We're at 53 in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. It's Monday on that date that many of us have been focusing on for a while, and that's April 20th. We were hoping that by the end of the two-week vacation, the two-week Pesach break, the um, the break that many schools get this time of year, we were hoping that April 20th, Monday morning, we'd be heading back to school and back to work. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. And at least here in New York, we've got another... Uh, at least another four weeks, based on what the governor has said about uh, the lockdown, uh, about another four weeks of this type of uh, of life. And um, I know for many people it's difficult. Kolakavo to those who are trying to make it easier on people. Special thank you to our healthcare workers and those who are literally on the front lines from people who are working at uh, not-for-profits that are feeding the poor, and feeding those who normally are able to fend for themselves, to uh, those who are producing products, groceries, working in stores, serving as cashiers and clerks and stock people, etc. And the list goes on and on and on of so many who have been really uh, relegated to uh, day-to-day work activities just to keep the country going and the world going to an extent. So we um, we welcome all of you. We're here. We're here. We're live. Thank God. We're here, and we are uh, together, listening in from around the world and uh, experiencing all of this each and every day. And our intention is to be here every single morning to provide live and original programming all through the day. Woo! Yawn there for a moment. <laughs> it's Monday. It's Monday. You'd think I'd be, I'd be over that already. Uh, and um, and those of you out there who are uh, growing impatient, I don't know if it helps, but we certainly are growing impatient together. That's uh, that's for sure. I want to thank those who've uh, kept us going. We got a couple of really, really generous donations over the weekend. 
Um, and I thank everybody who has uh, turned their attention to what we do uh, during this crisis. I guess we've proven it before, and people know how important it is to stay connected through this venue. So a big thank you, a big thank you to those who are uh, supporting us, keeping us going. Um, you could sponsor part or all of a JMNAM broadcast, including tomorrow's Yom HaShoah special, simply by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And uh, I thank you. I thank you very much again. I'm told that tomorrow during our Yom HaShoah special, we will be uh, simulcast with our friends at the uh, World Mizrahi Virtual Beit Midrash. They'll carry our Yom HaShoah program tomorrow, so I thank them for that. And... um, And you'll be able to see that tomorrow on the Facebook Live. Not much of a visual. A lot of it is uh, some of the classic Yom HaShoah conversations that we've had here, but uh, certainly worth tuning in for some uh, perspective and inspiration. And that's tomorrow between 6 and 9 a.m. right here. And again on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Um... I don't think what else. You know, I was going to wait till a little later, which I, I could do actually, and there's no reason why I shouldn't do it again. Um, but I cannot, I can't wait any longer to uh, acknowledge the passing of the uh, incredible friend of mine and of the Nahum Siegel Network, and that was, uh, and that is City Councilman Noach Deer. And I say City Councilman because when he did serve on the council until the early 2000s, that was the time, the era, when he and I were connected on a regular basis. And he played a major role in uh, using this platform to address his constituents and our audience on some really, really important issues that um, that ended up being one of the factors that elevated this program to a true community service. In addition to that, as a, uh, as a personal friend for many, many years, as I wrote on Facebook... He treated my career like his own. All he wanted was for uh, me and us here to have success and to continue to grow. And in the era of the 1990s, he was relentless in doing whatever possible to help us grow and keep going. And while I had been... uh, more out of touch and in touch with him over the last few years. I did see him on certain occasions over the years. Uh, he remains uh, for us one of the one of the people who really was such a stalwart supporter and vocal supporter of what we do here on a daily basis. 
And I know many of you knew him from different walks of life, whether it was some of the um, demonstrations and protests that he was such a part of when it came to defending Israel, when it came to helping Soviet Jewry, etc. Many of you turned to him when he was on city council for things to be done that nobody else was able to do. Excuse me. And um, and even in his most recent career as a judge, the um, newspapers and news outlets spent a lot of time talking about how generous, considerate, caring he was behind the bench, or on the bench, I should say. And that was uh, an incredible Kiddush Hashem. And it really reflected the way he always was, fighting for the little guy, no matter what community they were from, trying to um, reconcile people who were at odds, and taking his tradition very seriously. All that and more made up uh, the great Noach Deer, who passed away from coronavirus yesterday and who is being remembered by many with tremendous uh, sadness but tremendous pride that they knew him and had a relationship with him. Just like us here, we are very proud to have called him a friend and will always regard him as a friend. To uh, Rickley, his wife, and his uh, children and grandchildren, our deepest and warmest condolences. As I said yesterday on social media, there are many who are crying with you during this time. It may be a time of loneliness and isolation. Just know that there are many who are thinking of you as you go through this uh, mourning period for a wonderful guy. JM in the AM Monday morning. Uh, we are heading back to school and back to work, maybe without actually going to the buildings that house our schools and work. Uh, but hopefully everyone will be able to get into a more traditional schedule, and that will help deal with... Um, the times that we're in. I certainly hope so. JM in the AM as uh, we continue. This is a um, this is a selection from uh, Yishai Rebo that encaptures so much of this time. Keter Melucha JM in the AM. I'm 
מתרחקים ומתקרבים בכאב הזה, רוצה לחיות אותך ולא להיות לבד. ומה אתה רוצה שנלמד מזה, ואיך נדע להתאחד בפירוד הזה, עד שניתן לך כתר מלוכה, כתר מלוכה. בין פקודי לבקרא, כולנו באותה סירה, אביב הגיע פסח בא, ואיתו תקווה רבה שתקרא את רוע הגזרה, אחד עודים לקראת כלה, כבר אין לנו כוחות יותר להתמודד, להילחם. שנבין מזה, איך מתנתקים ומתחברים אל הלב הזה. רוצה לחיות אותך ולא להיות לבד. ומה אתה רוצה שנלמד מזה, ואיך נדע להתאחד בפירוד הזה? שמע ישראל השם, אחד ושמו אחד. אחד ושמו אחד. Yerushalayim
J.M. in the A.M. Monday morning in America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galate Sal in the background to our news from Israel coming up. That's Osa Shalom, Aryeh Kunstler, Michal Przansky with Orech Yamim, Mordechai Shapiro's Barchenu, Omdot Hayu done by the Solomon Brothers, Yishai Rebo in there, with Keter Melucha, Monday morning on this day 11 in the count, in the counting of the Omer, if you got the count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Again, it's day number 11. Day number 11 in the counting of the Omer. Yom HaShoah is tomorrow. You can hear Israeli radio already reflecting that. And uh, we'll have our Yom HaShoah special coming up between 6 and 9 tomorrow morning right here at JM and the AM. World Mizrahi is going to be simulcasting us for Facebook Live on their virtual Beit Midrash. So pay attention, NahumSiegel.com. Excuse me. Facebook.com slash NahumSiegel Network for Facebook Live tomorrow. Facebook.com slash NahumSiegel Network. Mm. An announcement about uh, helping those who are Holocaust survivors in Israel. News coming up here at JM and the AM on Galei Tzal. 53 degrees, cloudy weather, and a high temperature of 57. Uh, bottom of the hour, we'll check in with Dr. Norman Blumenthal. Today was a day, April 20th, that a lot of us thought we were getting back into our offices and back into our schools, and that has not happened. We'll speak with him about that coming up. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday follows next. Again, a reminder, Yom HaShoah tomorrow on the 27th of Nisan. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. Galitzal, Yerushalayim, Asha'a 2, Shalom Rav, Kan Rani Avnai, Ima Shekorei Achshav. פורסמה תוכנית של פרופסור גמזו למלחמה בקורונה, בתי האבות והמוסדות הגריאטריים. חיילי צה"ל יתגברו את בתי האבות ומערך הבדיקות יתוגבר. חשף את התוכנית כתבנו לענייני בריאות מאיר מרציאנו. על פי התוכנית פיקוד העורף יתגבר את הצוותים העובדים בבתי האבות וידאג לשינוע מזון וכן לבקרת הנכנסים למוסדות. כמו כן יוקמו מחלקות קורונה יהודיות בבתי האבות לאשפוז דיירים תוך תמיכה תקציבית של המדינה. בנוסף, שליש מהבדיקות שנעשות בישראל יוקצו לבתי האבות ופיענוחן יתועדף בהגעה למעבדות. ראש הממשלה נתניהו התייחס בטעות לעסקת שבויים במהלך הדיון על בתי האבות, פרסמה לראשונה כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. בפתח הדיון בעניין בתי האבות, ראש הממשלה כנראה התבלבל וחשב שמדובר בדיון בנושא ביטחוני רגיש ביותר. הוא אמר כי הם מדברים על מספר מסוים של אסירים ואף נקב במספר. ראש המל"ל מאיר בן שבת אמר לו בתגובה, ראש הממשלה, לא מדובר בדיון הזה. 
חולה קורונה בן 45 שאושפז בחודש שעבר במצב קשה התעורר בבית החולים וולפסון שבחולון. בבית החולים נמסר כי החולה שאינו סובל ממחלות רקע נגמל ממכשיר האקמו ומתקשר עם סביבתו. ההחלטה להטיל סגר על חלק מהשכונות בירושלים התקבלה על סמך נתונים שגויים בקצב הנדבקים, פרסם כתבנו בבירה יובל שגב. הטעות שהתגלתה על ידי עיריית ירושלים קשורה בקצב ההכפלה של מספר החולים, שמשפיע באופן ישיר על ההחלטות בנוגע לסגר. על פי החישובים השגויים, קצב ההכפלה גבוה משמעותית מהמצב במציאות, שנמצא במגמת שיפור. ההחלטה על שינוי מדיניות הסגר בעיר מבוססת בין השאר על גילוי אותה טעות. ממשרד הבריאות, טרם נמסרה תגובה. ברקע המשא ומתן הקואליציוני, יושב ראש הכנסת לשעבר יולי אדלשטיין אומר בשיחות סגורות, עניין הריבונות יקרה במקרה הרע בתוך כמה חודשים, וכל לבן מבינים שהם לא ימנעו מאיתנו את המהלך. כחול לבן שמצטרפת לממשלה מבינה שהיא לא יכולה לחסום את האירוע הזה ומדברים על באמת ביצוע במקרה הטוב מידי, במקרה הרע תוך כמה חודשים של התוכנית הזאת. עוד פורסם ביומן הצהריים עם אמיר איבגי כי אדלשטיין התייחס להתפטרותו מתפקיד יושב ראש הכנסת ואמר אני לא מתחרט על המהלך שעשיתי אם זה מה שיביא להקמת ממשלה בישראל אז גם אם יש לזה מחיר, אני מוכן לשלם אותו. שר החינוך אפי פרץ נפגש בשעה זו עם שר האוצר כחלון על מנת לבחון את קיצור החופש הגדול. מוקדם יותר הבהיר השר פרץ כי הוא תומך בקיצור החופש הגדול במספר ימים, אך מתנגד לצמצום משמעותי בלמידה מרחוק. מדווח כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש. שר החינוך פרץ לא מתכוון להיענות לדרישת האוצר לצמצם את הלמידה מרחוק לפחות בחצי. העמדה שיציג בדיונים היא שהלמידה מרחוק צריכה לעמוד על 75 אחוזים, ואת מעט הימים הנותרים ישלימו המורים בקיץ. בכל מקרה לא יהיה מנוס מקיצור החופש הגדול בימים נוספים, בניגוד לעמדת הסתדרות המורים. מכאן למזג האוויר עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות והן תהיינה גבוהות מהרגיל לעונה, מחר ללא שינוי. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
sun shines in the sky. Now your future's here. You spread your wings and fly.
shove for the duck. They go shove for my shoes. Thank you, Hashem, for my ears, mouth, eyes, and nose. They go shove for the toe. Rabbi Jake with Proud to be a Jew. Interesting that uh, the song, uh, the the refrain, Proud to be a Jew, is dominated by thank you to Hashem for all the different things we have. And I guess that's an important thing to remember, uh, especially now. And um, the truth is, I think that, uh, and I meant to bring this up with Dr. Blumenthal, but maybe I could just say it now. I think people are saying Modani and appreciating waking up to a healthy life a lot more than we used to. And I hope that uh <clears throat> I hope that's how you're found this morning with a healthy life. And uh hope I hope that's how you are this morning with a healthy life and uh able to uh, meet the challenges of the day. Um there are many, many challenges, but uh, again, hope you're able to uh, to na- navigate and negotiate all of them. J.M. in the A.M. before Rabbi Jake, you heard Simcha Liner with uh, Prosdor. Power to Be was done by David Ross. Monday morning on this 20th of April, 26th of Nissan. We will speak to Dr. Blumenthal at the bottom of the hour. After all, this was supposed to be a day that... Um, would be a little bit of a transition, we thought, once Pesach and the uh, holiday seasons had come to an end. Um, we thought that today would be a day after six Shabbatot outside of our synagogues where we'd be able to, you know, get back to normal life somewhat. Um, that's not the case, at least not here in New York. So we'll speak with him about coping in situations like this coming up. It's day 11 in the counting of the Omer, one week and four days, day number 11. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Listener Shaney, she's always amazing. She says, Yerushalayim always thanks you, Nachum and gang. I appreciate that. And she says, after 9-11, people were eating comfort food, apple pie, mashed potatoes. Nachum, you're playing healing neshama music. Blessings for you and the gang here in quarantine for week number eight. Wow. Yeah, six Shabbatot, but when you add it all together, it's seven, eight weeks in so many areas of the world already. And we have to keep that in mind. Uh, but meanwhile, we're together. We're together here on a JM and the AM Monday, and I thank you for being with us as we continue with our friends from the Waterbury Yeshiva JM and the AM. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
J.M. and the A.M. Oh, I actually called that song Cobrama on the uh, playlist. I think officially it's Rachel here at J.M. and the A.M. That's the Weinrib Brothers. Before that, Psachli B. from our friends up at the Waterbury Yeshiva. Proud to be a Jew. That was Rabbi Jake here at J.M. and the A.M. Day number 11 in the counting of the Omer. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Much appreciated. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dogs, Sausages, and Deli is the world's best. Serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. And yesterday I saw, was it yesterday on Facebook? Let's see if I can find it. Um, does Abels and Hyman have more than one? Have more than one Facebook presence? Oh, maybe I'm looking at... Yeah, I'm probably looking at the uh, different posts. So the most recent post that I saw 
With temperatures set to hit the 60s here in the Northeast, stay home, clean the grill, and break out the hot dogs. <laughs> with a nice photo of A&H kosher beef hot dogs, gluten-free with no fillers in a 14-ounce package. Check it out. They're really good, delicious, and they are uh, wonderful um, uh, supporters of ours here at the Nahum Siegel Network. J.M. and the A.M. at 29 minutes after 7 o'clock. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zevnavis of Alevi and... Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We read in Tehillim, Umearatzos Kibzom. He gathered them from lands, Mimizrach Umimarov, from east and from west, Umitzafon Miyom, and from the north and from the sea. In talking about the Korban Toda, the Thanksgiving offering, the Zarashimshan cites this Pasuk and asks, when it says umearatzos kibzam, that will be gathered from the lands, exactly what is going to be gathered? We learn in the Talmud and Rosh Hashanah, kimi goy gadol, who is such a great nation, asher lo elokim, that has Hashem, kirovim love, that is close, kashem elokeinu, bechol koreinu love, like Hashem, when we call to Hashem, through prayer. We also learn, Dirshu Hashem Bihimatso, call Hashem wherever he can be found. Kira'uhu, call him, Bioso Karov, when he is near. Here we understand that the Talmud says, When is Hashem Bihimatsoi? When is he found by the Yachid? And then it says, on the other level, Migoy Godol Asher Lukim. That is in terms of the tzibor, the community. Whenever we call to Hashem, Hashem is there. Rabbi Baravua said, that day when a person can call even as an individual is the Asara Yomim, the 10 days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The Zerashimshan tells us the difference is the following, that when the tzibor calls out, when they are united, so then we are answered immediately. However, the yachid, the individual, does not have the same power as the tzibor. For that reason, especially during these days, when an individual prays, when we daven, we should include our tefillahs with all of B'nai Yisrael, with every single individual throughout the world, because we realize that our power is the power of a tzibor. The great Rabbi Cheskel Levenstein, he was the great Baal Musser and the great Rosh Hashiva. Rav Levenstein was once wished a good year, a Shonatoiva Masuka, by an individual that wished to get the blessing of Rabbi Cheskel Levenstein. As soon as he heard the individual give him the bracha, he said, you must add the words, B'soich b'nei Yisrael. You can give me the bracha, but please include all of Klau Yisrael together. Then I am sure that the bracha will be chal, that the blessing will be fulfilled. In our days, whenever we pray, we should also include all of Klau Yisrael in our tefillahs. And then, Bezus Hashem, let us be sure that our tefillahs will be answered. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning physic.
Have a nice day. JM in the AM. Well, today's the day, April 20th, that many of us had been considering as an important date in this whole coronavirus situation. I'll explain what I mean. When this first happened and we were shut down and we lost our ability or our uh, capability of going to synagogue because our uh, synagogues were were shut uh, six Shabbatot ago. And I know it's hard to believe that, that it was already the sixth Shabbos uh, this past Shabbos. Very hard to believe. Uh, so when all that happened, we um, we all targeted once Pesach ends, once the holiday season of the two major religions end, uh, you know, hopefully by then, Monday morning afterwards, April 20th, we'll be back on our feet, able to get into our schools, into our workplaces, etc. Well, that's not the case, at least not here in New York, where we've been warned already that uh, this is going to be until May 15th. So I figured we need a word of encouragement. We need a word of uh, support uh, in getting through these times. Dr. Norman Blumenthal, of course, he is uh, the Director of Trauma, Bereavement, and Crisis Response Team at OHEL, in addition to many other titles that he holds. And he is with us live via telephone on this Monday morning. Dr. Blumenthal, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, sir. It's an honor. Appreciate that. Well... Life's all about expectations, and I don't think it's uh, out of the ordinary to say that the way I was thinking, many, many, many other people were thinking who are part of the, you know, American Jewish calendaric <laughs> circle, where where we did in fact circle April 20th, hoping that once the seclusion and isolation of these six weeks would end, that the um, that our state... Uh, that our city would be able to start opening up. They may even consider a plan uh, post-April 20th. I think, if if I'm not mistaken, I think Mayor de Blasio's first uh, announcement about school closing was till April 20th, if I'm not mistaken. And we thought that we'd at least, you know, wake up this morning uh, in a new direction, you know, anticipating either today getting back into our schools or workplaces or very soon getting back into our schools or workplaces. What can you say, Dr. Blumenthal, to those whose expectations were not met this morning? Certainly, as you said, uh, expectations are important, and when they're dashed, uh, it hurts and it's upsetting. And I think to add to that, I think if there was a formal announcement, well, we were a little off, it's just one more week, right. uh, we could hunker down and grin and bear it. But the problem, and I think that's one of the challenges of this current crisis, is the enormous ambiguity, so much that's unknown. And one of the unknowns is how long is this going to linger? What's it going to be like? Or how, in what manner are we going to res- resume our routine? And are we going to come out of it the same people with the same type of routine uh, that we had previously? So the struggle to a large extent, and, and I challenge, maybe I should say instead of struggle, because that's how we like to look at things, that people challenge and opportunities to grow is to deal with the uncertainty and the ambiguity. Dr. Blumenthal, um, not that this is our issue, and it's certainly not yours, but, but it might calm me down a bit. Did you find it unusual that on the, and if I'm not mistaken, it was the 16th of April, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Akron Shal Pesach, because I heard about it after Yontif. Do you find it unusual that the governor of the state of New York on the 16th of April would talk about a lockdown till the 15th of May? Don't you think it might have been psychologically a bit better if the next stage would have been announced, I don't know, in some type of increment? Uh, it certainly would have been easier. I think many of us 
not everybody, but many of us are anxious to get back to our routine, and there's a lot of worry about what, what we're facing. And again, if somebody could have said something with more certainty, could have given us a mapped-out plan, uh, that would be that would be certainly better. Look, our, our rabbi teaches in Simcha Kataras Asvekas that um, we always feel better when we have some element of certainty and some knowledge of what we can anticipate. Obviously, that hasn't been destined yet for this situation. No question about that. Dr. Norman Blumenthal is with us. So when you're on and when you're discussing, you know, such, such a variety of topics related to this whole coronavirus situation, uh, we ask you about coping in these situations. Um, th- there's no question that you must be hearing from families that are going through tremendous challenges. In fact, I, I think you would agree with me uh, that for those of us who, thank God, have stable and loving family situations, we should be thanking God every moment for the circumstances that we're in at this point, Correct. Absolutely. Being uh, gratitude in psychological research shows people who are able to express and actually uh, enumerate, uh, like keeping a gratitude journal, um, are better off psychologically on many dimensions. Uh, less depression, less anxiety, they're healthier, they sleep better, they're more productive at work. There's even research that shows that people who, who keep the gratitude journals um, have secrete more dopamine and serotonin in the central nervous system. In other words, it's a natural tranquilizer and antidepressant. So we have to be grateful for a lot of things, for our family, for the homes that we do have. We have to be grateful that we have the technology, and it allows us to at least have some connection uh, and contact. But when we're deprived, that's all the more, that's time when it's all the more important to enumerate our gratitude. With all that in mind, do you find yourself concentrating more when saying Modani? Um, I'm usually too groggy by when I'm saying Modahani, but when, when I say Modim in the Shmona Esrei, I usually try to think of something in my life that I'm grateful for. I'll tell you, I, I, I was concentrating on Modahani because, frankly, it has been so much more meaningful to me because these days it is no small feat to just wake up healthy and raring to go on a typical day. Good point. Dr. Norman Blumenthal is with us. Now, I I cannot keep track of all the groups and sessions that you're doing. And kudos to Ohel, uh, who've kept me up to date. And this is my problem, not theirs. Uh, I am being inundated, rightfully so, with all the information about the different things that are being offered. And to their credit, it is just amazing what's going on. We'll try to get to a couple of them. Let's start with this one. You are actually beginning for men. On Thursday night, April the 23rd, and for women on Monday nights, starting on April the 27th, a group called a four-week group for adults who experience COVID-19 parental loss. Now, we have, I mean, imagine everybody out there, you know somebody who's passed away, and you know people, children, even if they're adult children, even if they're children in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, who are now sitting shiva or have sat shiva in this most unusual manner, Everyone knows. Imagine just multiply it by the the hundreds and thousands that are being affected by this. Um, I would think this is a very big challenge for you, Dr. Blumenthal, not questioning your credentials, your abilities to do it. But this has got to be such an unusual situation. You've never obviously addressed this type of topic before, correct? That's for sure. This is unprecedented. And I'm not 40 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you go about this? I mean, I'm sure you've thought a million times about how to open up 
these sessions, both this coming Thursday night and a week for tonight uh, for the women. Um, what's going to be the direction? There are people who are not only going to be feeling lost, there are going to be people feeling emptiness. You know, some a friend of mine passed away yesterday, and I posted on Facebook, I said, I, I need the family to know that as you sit and cry now, there are others crying with you. We may not be there with you. We may not be able to come and, and actually visit with you and share all these thoughts and feelings, but you need to know that there are other people, in this case hundreds or thousands around the world, who are you know really sad about what happened. And I think that might be a good place to start, right? Yes, it's, it's challenging, and I, I'm sort of groping and learning as I go along as well. Actually, uh, yesterday I did a, a two seminars on that, uh, one for teachers and one for general community with Rabbi Israel Reisman uh, about grieving under these circumstances. Um, we have to be creative. We have to use whatever resources we do have to impart our care and love for those who are, are bereaved. Um, and we, we, instead of trying to convince them that they don't have to be so sad or try to wake, take away their sadness, we have to find imaginative ways and you know, through using the mediums that we have, the media that we have, to impart our love for them, our care for them, and sharing, as you said, sharing in the grief. Right. There are elements of consolation that we can still um, impart, and we have to sort of highlight and emphasize those. Uh, you know what I, I think people need to keep in mind also? Very often when we place a literal condolence call, when we speak with someone who's sitting Shiva over the phone, we're traveling, we're not able to be there, etc., very often we try to keep those calls short because we know that the person obviously is likely sitting with people there that they are hosting, and you don't want to you know, impinge on those who actually went completely out of their way uh, to visit the person. In this case, it's exactly the opposite. If you get the feeling that someone on the other end wants to just sit and speak for 20, 25 minutes, that may be the best way to handle it because there's obviously nobody, no outsiders outside of their own immediate family, no outsiders in the house. It may be very helpful to just you know, be able to carry on a very long conversation with them. If, if the person is receptive, sometimes people are comforted more by a short visit. Sometimes it has to do right. with the relationship you have with the person prior to the loss. If you're a close friend, obviously you can spend more time. Right. If you're more close friend, you'll spend less. You have to sort of read the individual and, and see. The, the main right. thing is if you uh, give them the impression that you care and that you want to learn about their loved one who died, you want to hear about that person, uh, it doesn't have to be a lengthy call or, or a Zoom visit. Yeah, 100%. Um, Dr. Blumenthal, we, and now now just circling back to our original topic for a moment because sure. April 20th has been on my mind for a long time, frankly. Um, um, were you surprised? I, I, read an, I, I read an article over Yuntif about how many people are now, as opposed to hanging up on telemarketers, there's so much loneliness out there. They're engaging with telemarketers and poll takers who normally need to get off that phone after five, ten minutes so they can do their job and move on to the next call. But they're sitting on the phone for 20, 30 minutes because they're hearing about the loneliness and problems that certain people have. Does that surprise you at all? It, I didn't hear that myself, but it doesn't surprise me. Loneliness is a terrible state. Loneliness is a health hazard. It's not just being apart from friends. It's, an, it's a state in which people feel compromised in significant ways. And uh, it's nice that telemarketers can fill that void, but I think it's more important that we realize that and that we reach out particularly to those who are, uh, relatively speaking, alone or isolated or confined in small uh, living quarters uh, to connect with them. And it doesn't have to be lengthy conversations. You're probably better off having several 
uh, short connections than one long conversation and not calling back for two, three weeks. Right, I hear that. A um, couple of things I want to point out from our friends at OHEL. First of all, Gladys Cortez Feliciano is doing uh, parenting and quarantine uh, sessions that people can join uh, via Zoom. That's happening on uh, uh, Thursdays at 1 p.m. And um, uh, then there is a and, – and by the way, this may really go right back to the topic of the 20th of April. Um, and I know this isn't your topic. These are your colleagues who are doing it. But there's some, something happening – this Wednesday night, April 22nd, through Zoom, uh, with a couple of really amazing professionals, um, Heather Gray and Razel Kielsen, called Put Your Oxygen Mask On First. And I wonder that, that that, again, may be a really important message for a day like today because it, talk about managing expectations. You know, if we show our children how frustrated we are that it didn't work out, you know, getting back to normal work and normal school today, that would be a bad thing. But if we're able to, you know, put our oxygen mask on first – and, and deal with everything personally and understand and manage our own expectations and, and deal with the disappointment, uh, then certainly the rest of today and the rest of this week should go a lot better. I'm sure you agree with that. Absolutely. And don't try to fool your children. Don't, don't, if you are yourself uh, unnerved and you kind of try to act like it doesn't concern you, nobody reads us better than our children. So you have to put your oxygen in the head gun first. You have to find some resolution, some way to come to terms with this reality before you try to uh, process it with your children. You know, I jokingly uh, said to somebody who was, um, well, whatever the circumstances was, they, they, they weren't going to be around for a few weeks, so I jokingly said to them, um, uh, you know, take your shvuas machzer. You know, and of course they said, well, that's, you know, ridiculous. By shvuas will be in shul. By shvuas things will be back to normal. Uh, you know, May 15th, the week before Shavuos, Dr. Blumenthal. And, you know, I, I was, and I think I speak for many of us, I was ready to sacrifice Pesach. You know, I'm a guy who really likes to be in shul. Our shul starts at 9:10, and I generally walk in at 9 o'clock. So I like to be there. And I sacrificed the Pesach holiday, and I understand all the benefits of it. Believe me, I know it saved lives, and, and we should make sure the minyanim do not take place anywhere. Believe you me, everyone knows my position on this. But you start thinking about the next holiday and the next gathering uh, that you you know potentially would have. It, it starts to it starts to weigh on you a little bit. Oh, absolutely, I think that's one of the big challenges of this situation. As I mentioned earlier, is the ambiguity that we have to surrender to. I think we we're really humbled by this, and uh, if we certainly it's an opportunity to realize how we really don't run the world, and even the great leaders and scientists are are lost and confounded. Um, that there is the Hashem that's running the world, but we have to surrender to the uncertainty and hope and pray that this does resolve quickly and that there's no more collateral damage in the process and we emerge from this the better people. No question about it, and and not that this is any revelation. I think everybody knows it, but from your position in the community, you have seen every segment of the community in every geographic area and really around the globe be affected by this. It is. Yeah. It, it, it's hard not to get sucked into the communal sadness that is legitimate, and that is, and that is in fact so sad. But there's also communal resilience, and there's also communal courage, and there's a lot of communal love. So we have to balance it as well. This is bringing out, and sometimes it's bringing out the worst, but in I think more so from what I've seen, it's bringing out the best in people. And yeah. we have to sort of have that mixed view, otherwise we get demoralized. You know, it's funny. I used to call people five weeks ago and say, I'm just calling to make sure you're healthy. And they, they, on the other end of the line, it sounded like, you know, they were skeptical. That's the reason I called. Now, 
when we do it, everyone gets it. Because now, thank God, as you just said, there's love out there and everyone's doing it. Everyone is literally just checking in on people they may have not spoken to in 18 months, but they just want to make sure everyone's healthy. Right. There's a lot of creativity and even good humor. Yeah. That makes it better. So it's bringing out a lot of good in people as well. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes it takes hardship to do that. But we're actually seeing that as well. You know, you always mention the humor when you're on. You must have a couple of favorite COVID cartoons, I would bet. <laughs> uh, I do. I do. None that I made, but, uh, but many that I'm appreciating. I think we all are. As I've often said, as a humor that makes fun of the situation that we're all share, that we all, we're all in, that's universal, is helpful. That which is done at the expense of someone else, of course, is not. Right. But most of it has been in good taste. And as I said, it just takes the edge off of it. Hundred um, percent, Dr. Norman Blumenthal. Information about his um, um, four-week program, four-week group for adults via Zoom, Therazoom, OHEL's Therazoom Telemental Health Support, which is available obviously nationally and even around the world in theory. Uh, his four-week group for adults who experience COVID-19 parental loss starts for men this coming Thursday night. Uh, starts for women a week from tonight on Monday. You need to pre-register. Space is limited. You can go to ohelfamily.org for information, ohelfamily.org. Um, if you email Laura underscore Bart, Laura underscore Bart, B-A-R-T, at ohelfamily.org, you'll be sent a link and a password for that. And as I said, uh, uh, there, there are so many other programs that OHEL is doing at this point, the Parenting and Quarantine one uh, that I mentioned, the uh, Put Your Oxygen Mask on First, which is this coming Wednesday at 9 p.m. with a couple of amazing presenters. And many, many others, including one-on-one telehealth, which is uh, also so important. Information about all of it, go to ohelfamily.org, ohelfamily.org. If I told you, Dr. Blumenthal, that that between Purim and now you would never have visited one school, you never would have believed it. There are a lot of things I wouldn't have believed. <laughs> That's true. I can't thank you enough for all your service and your love and dedication for our community, and uh, thanks so much for your time this morning. You too, Malcolm. Thanks for keeping us all connected. Appreciate that very, very much. It is, in fact, April 20th, and we're going to make it, everybody. We're going to make it to the next <laughs> to the next uh, week and the next week after that, and we'll keep on going um, with our resilience and our love and our care for one another, uh, even if the governor of New York tells us that the isolation must continue until the 15th of May. Um, I remind you, speaking of communal events, our, uh, tonight would be a time where a lot of us would be at a communal event. Yom HaShoah is tonight. Tomorrow morning, obviously, we'll do a Yom HaShoah program that'll be carried on the Mizrahi World uh, Virtual Beit Midrash as well uh, at facebook.com slash Nachum Siegel Network. And we'll do the, the uh, Yom HaShoah special tomorrow. But again, for, for many schools, uh, for many shuls, for many communities, there would be programs tonight and tomorrow uh, to commemorate Holocaust Remembrance Day. Obviously, there'll be some, uh, I'm sure, some Zoom events, etc. Uh, but things are different, and hopefully soon they will be back uh, to, uh, in, to to some degree uh, to the way that we are used to. More coming up. You're listening to a um, Monday morning edition of JM in the AM. Shalom, 
JM in the AM. Menucha with Rachem Altzion. Monday morning. Day 11 in the counting of the Omer. Forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. One week and four days for the counting of the Omer. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by A&H, Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli. Is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did, that I can tell you. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app.
J.M. in the A.M. Monday morning broadcast with Leva Nefesh from their volume two with Or Chadash. You heard Lamancha Eitan Katz off of the brand new Live in Jerusalem volume number two. Rachel Malzion done by Menucha here at J.M. in the A.M. Jake Novak is with us live via telephone today at 11 a.m. Eastern time. He's actually announced via Twitter what he intends to do at 11 a.m. Eastern time today right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. He writes, I'll dive into the very transparent superiority complex many of us are experiencing as a reaction to coronavirus and look at a few things we can improve even during this lockdown. On Twitter, you can follow him at JakeJakeNY. Jake Novak, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me, Nachum. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it, especially on short notice. Um, we'll get to your topic for today in a minute. I just, you know, it's funny, over the last couple of months, some of the experts, most notably, my dear friend Mayor Weingarten have been, you know, trying to explain to me uh, BB's um, machinations uh, post-election number three, and I really didn't get it every time he said that, you know, he's a brilliant politician and he's he knows exactly what he's doing and look what he's done to Gantz, etc. Now it's becoming <laughs> so so obvious, even to someone like me who doesn't follow it as closely as he and others do. Basically, it seems. Once the mandate was given to Gans, it seems BB made a commitment. I will do everything in my power to get to a fourth election. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it seems most likely that that's where it went. Um, you know, they kept having these announcements that they were close to a coalition <laughs> deal, right. and that and that uh, Gans had finally agreed to allow Netanyahu to be prime minister first. Which, Nachum, the most significant. Um, news event that's happened since the third election is that base, is that blue and white has disintegrated. Right. Uh, because Gantz was willing to, I, I mean, as I've told you, and I'm sure Mayor has told you many times, 
Lou and White's only reason to exist was to not was to depose Netanyahu. They had right. no other policy but of any consequence. But it's still amazing to watch how Netanyahu knew how afraid they were and that if he just made a couple of moves, he would disintegrate them, basically. Yeah, I think that he expected that to happen after the second election. Right. Um, I think he expected that to happen even after the first election. You know, it, when you come to a situation when you're willing to do some kind of partnership, you expect the person who is going to be prime minister at some point, in this case Gantz, will have enough selfish, you know, reasons. You know, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean, just we'll, we'll have a, we'll think about his own potential career enough to say, okay, I don't need the, I don't need you guys anymore. And that probably should have happened after the first election. But that is such a significant development that it finally did happen because now if we go to fourth elections, who's that, you know, what's that party going to be that's going to be able to get even close to the number of seats that Likud would get? And now with his corona handling, they're talking about 40 seats for Likud. Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, crises are usually a a, a gift to someone who really knows what they're doing. I mean, sometimes you can really know what you're doing and you're still not going to do very well in an election. You know, a good example of that is is the first George H.W. Bush. Was there ever a more um, experienced, qualified guy for the presidency? You know, listen, I didn't like a lot of his policies and a lot of the things that he did, but he was really, really uh, experienced in government. And yet the crisis of uh, of the recession, he didn't handle as well. You know, have he had, so it doesn't mean it, just because you have experience, you know, to handle crisis well. But but Netanyahu does. Or at least he comes off like he's very authoritative, and that works for him. Jake Novak with us. We'll get to your topic of the day in a minute. But I just have to ask you: you have to understand, um, you and and you know the amount of support in this audience for President Trump. Nonetheless, you have to understand when people feel that he's misusing the pulpit of the presidency. Would that be a good way of putting it? Well, what I think people are. Yeah, you know, listen. There's the people who always just bash him, and if he says two plus two is four, they'll say it's five. So I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people here who will give him. I mean, I have I have a lot of colleagues like that and friends like that who have been unhappy with some of the things he has said off the cuff at these at these news conferences. I think that that's what you're really getting at. Because honestly, I don't think it's fair to go after this. Well, he could have done something a week or two before. Uh, you know, the one thing we've learned from all this is that we don't know anything, and that's right. going to be a big topic for me on the show, and we'll talk about that in a second. But what I think has been irking people who have a right to be irked is, well, when he talks about the ratings of the yeah. of the news conferences. The, when he, the when he goes, Yeah, when he bashes the opponents a little bit too much, although they really, you know, very often they deserve it. And they figure, well, we just want him to be like the governors or the mayors are after hurricanes or other kinds of disasters. Tell us that information and then get off the stage. So I think that I think that that's a fair criticism from the few people who are fairly criticizing him here. I think that that is a fair criticism. On the other hand, it's becoming more and more obvious that a lot of his initial uh, inclinations or how to deal with this were really right on the money. The shutting down of the flights from China. He should have. He should have shut down the flights from Europe too, which oh, apparently they I, really by, wanted to by do. The, by the way, with, yeah. without all the without all the shtick, I agree with you that yeah. that, that that he did as best as one can do with the information he had, yeah. and that's <laughs> and that's a big compliment. Yeah. But the shtick, the taking on the reporters, the one day being the friendliest guy in the world to other government officials, and the next day, you know, challenging them to a duel. Yeah. It, it just it, it, even those who have voted for him are now wondering if they can even pull the lever for him again. Well, this is a microcosm, though, of the entire presidency, and something that people like me have been trying to explain to people long before Trump came on the scene, which is these guys in office, these gals in office, are not our friends. And if you're looking for them to be 
role models, you're really looking in the wrong place. There is a very low, I mean, if you, on, the, on the list of high moral to low moral character, politicians are very, very low, even new politicians like a person like, like President Trump. And one of the things that has just been, you know, which has just flabbergasted me, is that people are not looking at the actual policies enough, the actual things that are in place. And, but but not, I shouldn't say flabbergasted, because we have a cult of personality type news media in this country, a cult of personality culture. We look at people much more than their deeds. No, I get that. And he is, he is yes, I mean, th- th- there are times when he really fumbles that for people who like to believe, well, I want my president to be a mensch. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I'm not making fun of people who say, oh, I want my president to act like a mensch. But if you're coming from the t- – but, but when you decide you want him to be a mensch and you have presidents who act like a mensch and politicians who act like a mensch and do horrible, horrible, horrible things, you know, give me the guy who isn't a mensch in that situation. I agree with you, but but the the majority, if not the overwhelming majority, of presidents and government officials in that type of situation – would would at least you know show some mutual respect and likely likely get the respect back in that atmosphere of a press conference. If Mike Pence was up there, he could he could be completely at odds with everybody in the room. I think you would still see a civil discussion taking place, even if they're completely opposite when it comes to policy and and you know and and uh, conclusions. Well, I think one of the things that. You, you, there's, there's two things going on here. One is that Trump is an incredibly pugnacious person. Now, this sounds like I'm coming from third grade. I'm going to let everyone know that right off the bat. It sounds like I'm a third grader here. But one of the things I've noticed about Trump is that he only punches back when someone punches him first. Now, that doesn't excuse him. I, we would all like to see Trump ex- to I- ignore at least half right. of the people attacking him. Right. And one of the things that I noticed when he was – this is when he was president-elect, and I wrote a column about it. He punched back against some low-level union guy – in Indiana, who criticized him on the news media. This is when he wasn't even president yet. He had been elected. He was about to become president. And he mentioned this guy by name and said, this guy, if he were, any, if he were a decent union leader, he wouldn't do X, Y, and Z. And I wrote a whole column of saying, like, you know what? You can get away with punching back against big-time celebrities and big-time politicians, but he better be careful never to do this again against somebody who's a nobody. And you know he hasn't. Now, again, I sound like a third grader when I say, like, well, right. they hit him first. I, I, I get it. We want the president to ignore at least half of these attacks from people and just and, and get past it. But a lot of people are attracted to this pugnacious stuff with him because they have felt as conservatives or as Republicans or as it's just non-liberals that for years people, the Mitt Romneys of the world and the George W. Bushes of the world, decided to be nice when people were calling them Hitler and people were calling them these horrible things. And they feel like, you know what, they didn't get anything out of it. Now, we might have, you know, because, you know, we, you know, we think, oh, well, at least people called them a mensch. Right. Well, not at the time. Not at the time. I don't remember a bunch of people okay. from, the, from the left and the moderates calling George W. Bush and Mitt Romney a mensch. I, I don't remember I that. Hear that. I see it now. I, I hear that, that point, and that point is really clear. But what, yeah. about, what about the, uh, uh, the campaign uh, rallies that are taking place during the press conference? What about, you know, all the yeah. time that he's spending you know, diverting everyone's attention to how great he is and how wonderful every move he's made and that he's responsible for the, you know, for all the ventilators that have been created. Yeah. In other words, you know, that, that, can, that can grow on you a bit when you see that day after day. No, I, I, and I agree. But, you know, this is the way that, uh, the, the, you know, they, this is what people have been asking for, not the way that Trump does it, but people, a lot of people have been asking for this for a long time when it comes to the news media. Right. You know, That's 90% true. of the questions are gotcha questions. Right. Now, I listen. If I were the if I were the press secretary, I I feel like I would have a better way to get around it, which is 
by, by basically exposing their ignorance, not by punching back and calling them bad people, but by asking them how many – for example, but they say, well, we needed, we needed 300,000 ventilators in, in, in New York State. I would just ask them, how many people are in New York State? Right. They wouldn't be able to answer that question. How many people are actually live in New York City? Now, you and I might know that off the top of our head, but I don't think that the Washington Press Corps does. Right. Little things. I would do that as opposed to – I would do a little Socratic method type professor in a law school, you know, when you didn't, when you didn't clearly didn't or, – or, you know, maybe in your Gemara year when it was obvious you didn't prepare the sugya. Right. <laughs> and the Rebbe asked you some questions like, uh, you know, how many times is Abaye mentioned in the sugya? And he's not mentioned at all. Right. Things like that. I would do that in, in, in a way that would be – and that's my brilliant plan. But the fact well, is, is that that's what he's pushing back against, and right. I agree with you. He should pass over and ignore about half of this stuff. Right, but he's but not. But I don't do want to get on my high horse and pretend and be a David Brooks type or some of these other people who I think are incredibly disingenuous or Ben Sass. They, you know, they're probably halfway decent people themselves, but I think they're being incredibly disingenuous when they say, "Well, you must always be above the fray," and that's that's baloney because the the fray is pretty. You know, we're already in a pretty ugly place. This is not. You know, they're not in the Kodesh Kadoshim here. This is politics. This is a dirty place. And there are dirty people involved. And there are some incredibly ignorant and bad people involved. And it's pretty easy for you and me to say, well, I think you should be above the fray. Now, I think it's right for us to say it at least half the time. But let's not get too much on our high horse here and say, well, the best thing for him to do is to just, you know, be presidential and talk about it. When you have 50, 60 reporters who are trying to get you and don't really have any facts at their, at their disposal, that's a, little, that's a little easy for you and me to say. Jake Novak with us. He says on Twitter today that at 11 a.m. this morning, Eastern Time on the Nahum Siegel Network, he'll dive into the very transparent superiority complex many of us are experiencing as a reaction to the virus. And he'll look at the a few things we can improve even during this lockdown. What do you mean, Jake? Well, one of the things that's been very, very disturbing for me, because I think it shows not only a lack of awareness, but also just a real coarse attitude, is we have seen over the last week or so people here in New York, New Jersey area, as we sadly know, the very epicenter of the death toll and the, uh, uh, in this coronavirus. I mean, you take New York and New Jersey out, you've got more than half the deaths off the table, right? So we're really in a bad place here. Right. And, and yet I'm seeing Manhattan residents, members of the news media, some other people who are just sort of maybe celebrities, other people who are kind of elitists, writing and, and bashing the folks in Florida who are walking on a beach, uh, supporting the use of a bulldozer to put sand over a skate park in Venice, California, Venice Beach uh, in the Los Angeles area. And talking about how stupid these people are who want to get out and work and have a livelihood. Now, to me, this is an example of delusion and deflection. They, you know, listen, we're living in a horrible situation here, and a lot of people are trying to ignore it and pretend like they know better. It's also a real lack of awareness of, of a one simple fact here, which is we really still don't know a lot of solid facts about this virus and how it spreads. Now, I think everyone should continue the social distancing rules. I'm not telling anyone to stop doing that, but I want you to all remember, we actually don't know if it's working. We don't know that for sure. Should you stop doing it? Absolutely not. Wear the mask when you go into the grocery store. Stay away from people who aren't in your immediate home, you know, with by six feet or so. I'm absolutely telling you to follow those guidelines. Do not mis you know, no one should misquote me or misunderstand me. However, we don't know much. And when, what I'm seeing is this very alarming trend of people pretending like they really know everything, and these folks who want to get out and work and get back to their lives, they're the dumb ones, and they're stupid, 
Well, you know what? That to me is just it's just it's incredibly unattractive and really unsettling to see that because frankly it's it's this ridiculous situation of people in the epicenter of the death toll making fun of people who haven't had much of an effect, you know, effect of the virus at all as if we know everything. So when you um when you hear the president say and I'm making up the numbers, I don't remember yeah. exactly the quote. When you hear the president say we've lost, I don't know, 50,000 and that number could be Two million. If we wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z, you, you're raising your you're raising your eyebrows with skepticism. Well, it's just we don't know. I mean, it's sound, listen, you know, give me a, a true or false test. You know, I got two choices. He's probably right. They're probably right that social distancing has 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 lowered the, the death toll. That that makes sense just on a logical standpoint right. because it's that's true of every right. You're away from potential disease. people that can give you the disease, right? Right. So I get that. But has it really been the number one factor in this? Because there are other scientists who are saying, no, this thing just runs, it, runs its course, whether you do the, the distancing or the lockdowns or not. Right. Now, again, I'm in favor of doing the, safety, the, the safe thing within reason, I think. Again, the social distancing stuff we should do. We should be very careful with the people who are more susceptible to this, especially the elderly. But we don't know. We really don't know. Now, we don't even know. If the shutting down of the flights from China, which you know, which is something that does seem like the best move that President Trump made, we're not even 100 percent sure that made a huge difference. I hope it did, because that means we, that we saved some lives. But again, I am just asking everyone that this is the this is the hardest thing to ask for when it comes to political punditry and stuff on Facebook and stuff on Twitter. I'm asking for a little humility here, and I asked for the same thing after President Trump was elected. I was expecting to see some humility. I wasn't expecting people to say, "Oh, now I support Donald Trump." I wasn't expecting that at all. But I was expecting a bunch of people to say, "Well, you know, we got it wrong, and we got it wrong because there were things that we misunderstood about the country, and we're really going to try to fix that." Instead, most of those people who got it wrong said, "Oh, the reason why I got it wrong is because Russia cheated." And this was a cheat. So it's like, you know, you, you, you lose the chess match and then you turn and you flip over the chessboard and say right. you cheated and run back to your room. Most of the uh, supposedly mature, mensch-like news media did that. And, and punditry did that and continued to do stuff like that. And now they're doing it again with this coronavirus, pretending that they haven't been humbled. I've been humbled. I didn't think that this was going to be so bad. I didn't think it was going to, you know, force all this stuff. And, and, I, and I'm willing to admit that, and I want to learn more about it. I don't understand why more people can't come to the table with that attitude other than just to simply say, you know, I guess these folks just don't have the maturity. And it's really disappointing because we hear their voices all the time. Very cool point. I like that. By the way, if you look at the graph from New York State, last couple of days have been, I mean, not that there's such a thing as much better when you're talking about, you know, disease and death. Yeah. But in terms of the case number, we are way down compared to a couple of days ago. Yeah, and and that may and, and again, that's probably because of the social distancing. Again, yeah. again, put put a gun to my head, and that's probably what it is. No, I'm, but I don't pretend yeah. to know for sure. Because I'm on a different um, I'm on a different soapbox these days. Yeah. I, and and what I just said, you know, I hope I don't know if it proves it. I hope it you know makes the point uh, to a degree, and that is that um, you know we we make Havdalah Thursday night after the eighth day of Pesach. And I find out that on April 16th, which was that day, Thursday, Governor Cuomo says things will be status quo till May 15th. And I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. A a another month? Like, wouldn't it have been both psychologically and probably practically better to announce that, you know, to, to either announce nothing because we were going till April 30th anyway. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know why he can't wait till April 27th to make an announcement like this if that has to be an extension. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the point was of that. And, frankly— I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that by the time we get to May, I don't know, 1st, 5th, 10th, choose your date, 
you know, it will become much more obvious to government officials that we have to start relaxing certain things and get people into the schools and workplaces. Well, I wholeheartedly agree, and this gets back, in my opinion, to the same thing I was talking about, about the humility here. Now, it's humbling to say, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to make this decision week by week. Why these governors and mayors can't, can't make these decisions week by week right. instead of unilaterally canceling school for the rest of the year, right. unilaterally canceling sports until September, things, things like this. Why they can't do it week by week? And, and, uh, there's a, now they're going to say one reason is, well, political expediency. They want to sound like they're the most cautious guy in the room, right. and, they, and their pollsters have told them that's a positive. Okay, that's probably a reason for some of it. Uh, they want to... Uh, they have a lot of government employees who are government unions, and they want, and the unions are demanding an answer of some kind because the unions don't care as long as they have some kind of a date that they work with. So they're giving them a far-out date because they're getting paid. But I actually think this is a big part of that third aspect, which is a lack of humility. They don't want to admit to the public that this is a new disease that we really don't know much about, and we're going to have to take it week by week, and that that is the most responsible thing to do. So they don't want to do that because that, that would make them sound like they don't know everything. They love to sound like they know everything. Listen, Governor Cuomo's got another problem, which is he made that unilateral decision about May 15th continuing and telling everyone to hunker down whether they have the virus or not. And now we know that his brother, who has the virus and had the virus, was out biking and, and not staying at home and right. not staying self-quarantined. Right. And he had, nothing, he had no problem with it. He, he gave him a pass. There's a piece in the New York Post about it today by Carol Markowitz, who, um, and she writes about this, and she says, like, look, you know, he, he, he's doing this, and he clearly doesn't, you know, he, I mean, they asked him about it. It wasn't like, oh, he didn't say anything about it. He said, oh, no, it's okay for him to go, you know, for Chris to go out and on his bike and with his family. You know, listen, people can do that if they're six feet apart, but he had the virus. He's supposed to stay indoors, literally stay indoors, shelter in place if you had the virus. <laughs> and, he, and he's okay with that. So, again, so that tells me we're dealing with number three here, which is the lack of humility, the lack of being able to say, thinking that if they go to the public and say we're going to take this week by week, that it'll make them seem like they're not the smartest guy in the room. And uh, to, you know, when you try to be the smartest guy in the room, that is a really dangerous path to go down in life, whether you're a politician or not. Uh, you're going to turn me into more of a libertarian, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, th I thought I was the maximum I could be, but I think you're going to turn me into more of one, as, uh -huh. as much as a Torah-observant Jew can be. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing to me. Why more Orthodox Jews, more, more you know, aren't libertarians? I mean, just you know, it's one of the things I talk about all the time. The greatest argument against too much government comes from Shmuel. I mean, if you read Shmuel, and when the people come to him and they want, they want to make you know Saul the king, they want a king. Right. right. And everything that he says, you know, let's say it was what three thousand years ago, he says the thirty-five hundred. It's still really, really relevant. He talks about all the things, and then the most important thing he says at the end, because this is the real reason why people like to have a government over them. It's not, it's not necessarily hero worship. He reminds them, oh, by the way, you get a king, you're still going to be responsible for all the mitzvah. You're still going to be responsible to God for all this stuff. And you can tell that was like, oh, we thought the king was going to handle this. You know, so we see this, for example, in Europe. You know, Euro Europeans give no charity. I mean, the, the charity giving right. don you know, donation levels of Europeans is right. like zero. Right. Because the government is supposedly, is, aren't they doing all the charity? Right. You know? So that's just one example. But honestly, there's a, there's a strong libertarian streak, even in what you would think would be an authoritarian documents of the Torah and, and other parts of our tradition. There's a pretty strong thing that, you know, basically, yeah, that we're, we're, it's authoritarian, authoritarian when it comes to, you know, to God. Then you've got to be a loyal servant. But after that, eh, not so much. Everyone else is, like, not really that, including the kings 
of Israel, you know, who, who were all pretty much no darn good, right? And especially the really good ones who also had terrible flaws that we all know about. Correct. So it's, it's one of those things that, that, that confuses me. But I, actually, I think, I think a lot of people who understand the tradition are, are on my side on this one. Um, well, I, I, I can't thank you enough. Very, <laughs> very enlightening as usual. And you get to hear more of this and other topics with Jay coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here. Uh, with great original live programming at the Nahum Siegel Network. I thank you for that, and I thank you for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Everyone stay safe. That's the bottom line. Everyone stay safe is right. Jake Novak on a Monday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM.
שלום, שלם, יהיה, יבוס, גלעד, לבנון, ציון, תרפיות, מרומים, מרום ים, כיסא השם, עיר ישראל, יפי נוף, הר ציון, יקצי צפון, קריית מלך רב, סוס כל הארץ, באולה, חפציבה, אבן מעמסה, אפרתה, שדה יער, נוחה, אריאל, הר מועד, יפה, נטולה, קלה, אשת נעורים, רבתי עם, רבתי בגויים, שרתי במדינות, עיר שחוברה לה, בית תפילה, מגדל העדר, מצודה, ידידות, ירושה, דרושה, עיר לא נעזבה, גילה, עדן, גן השם, הר מרום, השם קדושים, הכרה, מוריה, הר גבוה, עיר היונה, קריה נאמנה, עיר הצדק, גי חיזיון, דלתות העמים, במות, נחלה, הר הקודש, הר חמד, גבעת הלבנה, עיר דוד, עיר הנגב, עם ערום ישראל, ים, מילת יופי, הר בשן, חדרי, רמה, נווה צדק, עיר הקודש, עיר קדושה, עופר, ירושלים J.M. in the A.M. Yerushalayim, done by Chaim David. Uh, the aforementioned Mayor Weingarten, as I mentioned how Mayor has been explaining to me, or trying to explain to me, he, uh, if he had a better student on this end, frankly, he wouldn't have to try so hard. <laughs> uh, what's going on with the Israeli elections? Anyway, Mayor is on um, uh, 16 minutes from now with the Israel show on the Nahum Segal Network, live, original. That's right. That's what we do, Baruch Hashem, and you get to um, be the beneficiaries. All of us get to be the beneficiaries. Of the wonderful programming, um, Mayor Mar Weingarten, welcome back to JM. There we go. I, I was afraid that you were going to use a different name, and I wouldn't recognize who you're talking to, and I would, I would miss the interview. Mar Weingarten. Baruch Hashem, Ashlamcha. It's over, right? Pesach's over already. By the way, in Israel, on a typical year, not a Corona year, in Israel, yeah. when when Pesach ends Wednesday night. Okay. Are, are people at work in school Thursday, Friday? Oh, yeah, or, or... At school I don't know about, but work for sure. The next day, Isru Chag, they're at work. Yeah. And Sunday school would start? Probably. Except for those who are off I, the... I, I don't know as well about the school system. I know they do end school before Pesach, uh, you know, quite a number of days before, so the teachers can go home, <laughs> which leaves the parents in a lurch. But uh, I don't know about afterwards. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, I, I would think unless the school was out in you know for the entire month of Nissan, they likely would just start this week. I would guess. I don't know. That could very well be. No, they're not out. No, I, we're talking about regular schools. Right. They're, yeah. I mean, now there's a big fight in Israel about the uh, from the teachers' union that don't want to work in the summer because the government's saying they'll 
make up some time in the summer, and the teachers' union says, no way, unless you pay us, and yeah. whatever. I agree with them, but whatever. I, I, I don't say, yeah, I'm, I'm not agreeing. I'm, I'm always them. sympathetic to the teachers' unions. So. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, all right, Mayor, what is on tap for today? If I would tune in, let's say, for example, between 9 and 10 a.m. this morning, Eastern Time, what would I hear on the Israel Show? Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, the political uh, situation, which is so fluid. August 4th! Circle your calendar, <laughs> August 4th. I don't know. I don't know. Is I it, really don't know it, where it's going. Is it August 4th, the first Tuesday in August? No, no, that could be. I'm just saying I still... Can't I'm saying, tell you for sure. I'm just saying that would be election day. Yeah, where we're going as far as the elections. It's just crazy. Well, overnight, wouldn't you say it became more obvious that we're heading to a fourth election or not? Um still I'm I'm still don't know. Oh. Because I mean it's this game, this literally a game on the backs of the Israeli public continues. Hmm. And it's very, you know, very sad. Interesting. Yeah. It is. By the way, you see, Netanyahu has another option, yeah. which is make the deal now, be prime minister for, let's say, a year, right. out of the year and a half, and then with a half a year left, call for new elections. Find, yeah, find some excuse. He'll find you know, not a problem to find an excuse for new elections. I love it. I love it. I know. By crazy. the way, on your previous point about whether Pesach's over, yeah, uh, our good our good friend of Rummy Jordan just posted. I'm so lost. You mean it's not Shabbos for like another week? <laughs> oh my God, is that true? <laughs> I said to my family, we're actually going to do a full six days now after Avdallah. Full oh six my days. gosh, it, I mean, exactly. It's it's literally a biblical command. I mean, come on. Yes, work for six days. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. All right, but, so you'll uh, discuss in Israel. It doesn't work that way, by the way. In Israel tonight is Yom Hashoah. And everything shuts down, and tomorrow, of course, Yom HaShoah. But the public programs will be uh, canceled. The public programs will will happen via Zoom and TV and so forth. There just won't be a public there live, but everything will continue to happen. And then next week, it's Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmaot. So Pesach doesn't end in Israel until after Yom HaTzmaot, really. By the way... by, yeah. the way, by the way, one of our reliable Israeli correspondents, uh, yes. T- Tikva from Petach Tikva, oh. says that there's no school. Israel Chag and school starts Sunday in a typical year. Thank you, Tikva. I was machaving to our Israeli correspondent. Very good. <laughs> you you have to check out her uh, employment. Uh, That's right. <laughs> check, check out her LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about um, yeah. what the upcoming Yom HaShoah, some new things that are coming out this year for Yom HaShoah, new ways of memorializing. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about, uh, you know, Israel uh, arrested an Arab from the town of Taiba, which is within the Green Line, quote-unquote, uh, who was a spy for Iran. Oh, boy. And we'll tell you a little bit about who he is. You'll be surprised who he's affiliated with. So we'll talk about that. Let's see. By the way, did you see the um, uh, the Muslim, uh, I don't know if he's a doctor or a hospital attendant who brought the Torah in for the meeting? Yes, I did. I've seen all those. Uh, the, like yeah, that. look, there are a lot of great people. A lot out of there. good people. And there are a lot of Arabs that are in the healthcare profession. Right. 
that's 100 percent true. When I broke my elbow, it was an Arab doctor who took care of it that night. Oh wow! And I've gone, you know, times I've been there, and I have to go to not hospital, but um, you know, all these other uh, places that you go. Um, urgent care. Tarim, urgent care, right? Um, there was Arab doctors that were taking care of me. They were great. Everything about it was terrific. Um, you have to recognize that they're really taking part in, the, in, in everything that's going on. That's why you see a lot of these pictures in, in hospitals and in care centers where there's a Jew and an Arab, whether it's in a, near an ambulance davening or, yep. you know, or other things that you see, because uh, that's, uh, that's what's happening. Of course, in Israel now, the, the issue goes from our holidays to their holidays because— ER is Ramadan, right? Is Ramadan, right, right. And and Ramadan is one of the main parts of Ramadan is where the families, the, the, the Hamulot, large families, get together for the iftar, for the meal after the fast, and they sit together, and, you know, and, and it's a big, big deal. And then shopping during the day for the meal is a big, big deal. So that's going to be a very big challenge in Israel. We'll talk about – we won't talk about that. I'm just pointing that out because you mentioned the Arab right. with the Sefer Torah. Um, I, I might I, – I have a feeling that I'm, I'm going to share something that I've been looking into um, uh, over this holiday, and that is the – it's one of these things that you learn in yeshiva, and there's truth to it, but it's not the whole story. And that is why we don't say full halal all of Pesach. Interesting. All right. All of this on the Israel Show. Make sure to be tuned in, everybody. It'll be between 9 and 10 and maybe even more than that, Eastern Time, <laughs> uh, on the Nahum Siegel Network and the NSN app, et cetera, et cetera. Mayor to the uh, Mayor Weingarten, Tadarabah. Tadarabah, Marsegal. Shalom, shalom, shalom. There he is, Mayor Weingarten. Big Israel Show coming up. 9 o'clock, make sure to be tuned in. More coming up here if you keep it here on a Monday morning broadcast at JM and the AM.
Shmuel Levy with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Actually, the song is called Lev Tahar here at JM in the AM. Uh, coming up, it's the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten. He'll be coming up in just a moment. Um, I would say a 5% chance that I can convince um, uh, Yoni and Seth to do a show today. I figure with the NFL draft and with the Michael Jordan documentary, I can get them to do a show today, but it looks like a 5% chance. Then Jake will have a new show, as we said, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time uh, here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, hi, Nahum. Can you please play an Ari Goldwag a cappella song? Um, yeah, and listener Judy, by the way, very responsible post-skim have said you could listen to regular music at this time. We're not doing it during the middle part of Sphera because it wouldn't be right for us as a community representative to do it, but there are plenty of rabbis who would tell you you can keep the music going. Uh, please play Rafur Shlema from Yitzi Klapowitz. I'm sorry I didn't get to that today. We'll try to do that tomorrow. Can you play the song to be a Yid from Joey Newcomb? We'll try to do that tomorrow. Wow. Didn't realize we had so many messages here. Boker Tov, thanks for great programming. And the Rabbi's son's medley. Yes, Rabbi Smachshobos reminds us that God's in charge and now on to school prep. <laughs> Thank you. Listener Tikva says, love this song with the Rabbi's son. Shalom from Petach Tikva. Uh, Sima says, good morning. Nachum. May Hashem protect and bless you and your family. You're always there for Klai Yisrael in happy times, more importantly, in difficult times like these. Thank you. Much appreciated. Those out there who want to help support us and keep us going, it's fjbunity.org fjbunity.org. You could sponsor part or all of a JMNAM broadcast. If you're trying to commemorate a yard site during this difficult time for cottage to be set, etc., um, you could sponsor by Goldwasser's words or by Uden's words, whatever the case is. Just go to fjbunity.org and the information will be there. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Hello, hello, and a big thank you to our friends at A&H. Try A&H today. They'll wrap up a Monday. Tomorrow is Yom HaShoah. Holocaust Remembrance Day, and of course, we will have appropriate programming as you would expect. Mayor Weingarten is next live. Jake Novak, totally original uh, program uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and great music all day long. And again, very responsible postkin, to say the least when I say very responsible, have said that you certainly can listen to regular music during this time um, to keep your spirits up. So tune in and stay tuned in all day long. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.